0: Covering Entrepreneur Show. We have a guest today that will serve both of your both of you. So I am excited to dive into a lot of topics through the entrepreneur lens and through the recovery lens. And with me today, I have Mr. David Richards. Hello, David.
1: Bobby, thank you so much for having me. It's great to speak with you.
0: Oh, same here. It's my pleasure. You have a lot of amazing things um, in your wheelhouse. And we're gonna dive into that in just a second, but can you kick us off? Tell everybody a little about yourself?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm a Marine Corps veteran, yoga instructor, corporate executive, public speaker, and international bestselling author, among other things. So uh, lots of things on the Rolodex in terms of uh, careers.
0: Love it. So you're currently a, current, a corporate executive.
1: I am, yes, I am. I'm on the, I'm, I'm making my way out of corporate America at some point in the next six months. But, uh, but for now, I'm working for an amazing Fortune 50 company.
0: Wow. It's impressive that you're doing all these other things while being an executive. So that was kind of where my curiosity went with that. Never mind being a yoga instructor and all of that. It talks a lot about the kind of person you are. I appreciate that. Thank you. One of the first things I noticed in your bio was the concept of quantum focus and i have a feeling that's going to lead us into a lot of the topics that we want to cover today so can you give me and the audience just a definition what does that mean i saw it in relation to internet and
1: yeah 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 so most of us and by most of us i think a good majority of the listening audience or the viewing audience grew up with newtonian physics and this idea that everything is separate my phone is separate from me this glass of water is separate from me we are we are separate, obviously, talking through Zoom, and that shapes your how you view the world. Well, now, for the past 100 years, we've understood the quantum physics world and quantum reality exists. And when you talk quantum to people, it, usually it, people relate to it outside themselves. At least my experience was whenever I read, when I started getting into quantum physics probably a decade or so ago, I'd always project it outside myself. And what you come to realize, I just finished a fascinating book called The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy, is we are quantum beings. And what that means is we feel solid structure, but 99% of us are vibrating all at once. It's all space. And that's because we know all atoms are 99.9% space, and there's just a little tiny bit of mass. And so when you get to that reality and you, you come to that understanding, then it's like, all right, well, then what is consciousness? And who's asking the questions behind this vibrating thing that I call my life and my body and everything else. And so it's the idea that if you start to understand you're a quantum being, then what does it really mean to have quantum focus? And to me, that is being really clear on a compelling identity that I wanna move towards in my future, and then applying focus to it. Because once I have something that is going to demand that I grow physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be, and it's really compelling to me, I will get focused on that. And it's gonna draw, I mean, it's kind of law of attraction 101, right? I'm gonna be drawn to that. And so the more demanding or the more compelling that future vision of me is, the more focused I'm gonna become. And when you realize that you're a quantum being, then you can achieve what I call quantum
0: focus. Thank you for explaining it that way. I just got chills. So every day, and I shared this with one of your your classmates where we met, I don't know if that's the right term, but I write my goals about where I want to be. I've never used this language around it before. And I literally write down uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally healthy. I mean, it actually says um, all of those things, healthy billionaire living to her highest purpose in nature. And you just covered exactly... So I believe in what you're saying, but I didn't even know that that was necessary. You connected some dots for me. Does that make sense? No, that's so exciting. Well,
1: and that's, you know, again, is it by accident or did the universe bring us together? And depending on how you go about it, you're like, well, it's no coincidence. You and I are speaking today. So it makes, it makes complete sense. And I know for me, my life has transformed because if you're constantly reacting to life and constantly sort of thinking that life is happening to you, then you develop a certain mindset and you feel separate from the world around you. But if you get to this place of quantum understanding where you realize your interaction with something is partly a reflection of you. So what you bring to an interaction, you're going to receive from that interaction as well. When you get to that place, well, it gets you to the point where, like you were saying, you can start to design your life. And that is really exciting because that's like, ultimately we all wanna live our dreams. Like you ask anybody, if you have a dream that is so big that you would do anything to accomplish or become any version of yourself, everyone's got something like that, we all do. So it's just a question of what stops people from doing it. And sometimes it's fear, but I mean, you said it, writing it down is power. Writing it down is the first step towards real
0: power. You said that one of those obstacles for some is fear right? That might keep them from it. I'm going to share my personal, how my brain works, if you don't mind. And I love this topic because even as you're describing it for the business people out there, the entrepreneurs, their goals might be something big and massive, whether it's philanthropic or business related. So what you're saying totally speaks to them. And then for the folks that are still in active addiction or in those situations that it's very easy to say, this is happening to me. Like I've had experiences where people have been in the hospital or made choices or whatever. And it's very easy to get lost in victim. And this is happening to me. Absolutely. I think you're probably going to tell me that there's a way to frame that so that it isn't all victim. Like you even have some control by how you showed up in those situations. Is that a true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It really comes down. I mean, Certainly, we've all had patterns in our life that are destructive they're self-destructive and they're hard to break out. I had one that really dealt around relationships and dominated three decades of my life. And it was it was devastating to me until I figured out what the pattern was. And when you figure out what the pattern is, you realize you're the creator of the pattern. Like it's not something that's happening outside you. And that's where control is. And you're like, oh, well, if I'm the one responsible for this, then how can I create patterns that really resonate with emotions that I want to feel. And so instead of saying, well, I'm addicted to this substance because it makes me feel good, we have to kind of reframe and say, well, what would would feeling good without the substance look like? Or what would that feel like? What would be something that you could do that is going to replace that feeling with a better feeling that doesn't have the dependencies and the negative connotations that comes from an addiction? And How do you gravitate and pull more of that emotion into your life? And same thing for entrepreneurs and business people. If you really want to serve people, then you're going to find out you're going to tap. The more you have a motive of service that impacts the most people, the more potential of yourself you're going to manifest and realize. And once that happens, then you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually providing a real value to other people. Then it's how do I get more of that feeling? How do I expand myself? How do I expand what I'm doing to impact others more? So hopefully that answers your question.
0: It does. And I actually ended up going two different directions. So I'm going to finish the original thought I had too. So my journey has taken me where three years ago I left my job and I have the vision. The vision is so big and so crazy that it's never happened before. And I'm very detailed and I can imagine in my mind and I've been working on it for three years. And I was so sure, like I could tell everybody like this is gonna happen. And then the challenges and the obstacles and the things, all this stuff happened. And then I started losing faith. And then it's like knowing that I need the faith to make the magic work, but the, do you understand what I'm trying to say with this cycle, like being so aware that it won't come true if you don't have the faith. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think is what I'm trying to say. Am I making sense to you? To where Uh, the, you know, you believe it. And then because you just keep getting kicked in the teeth, you stop believing it, but you still wanna believe it.
1: Right, it does. And I was, you know, I was talking to, I, I don't know if you've done a lot of Tony Robbins stuff, Tony Robbins talks about, he said, for people who don't know him, he's an entrepreneur, incredibly successful, 45 years. Um, But he talks a lot of times about a gladiator, like having a gladiator mindset. And what I've come to appreciate is if you believe in infinite intelligence or a sentient universe, and kind of that's what quantum physics has started to tell us is that light responds to being observed, which is kind of freaky when you think about it, but if you get to that place, then your life is the gladiator that you're fighting. And it's always going to give you a test to help you grow. And it doesn't mean if you look at it like, why am I being punished or why is this happening to me? Then you collapse inside. But if you kind of look at it like, well, what can I learn from this? And how do I need to grow to overcome this? Then it almost becomes like a game. And it's like, all right, well, how do I figure this next phase of my life out? And that's when it becomes exciting and fun, because then it's it's really like, shifting from life's happening to me to life's happening for me. And when you make that shift, for me, certainly that's when tremendous things start to really happen.
0: That's a great perspective. And I, I think that even learning how to do that, I think there's a couple things in there okay to dive into you have to have presence right to even observe and notice you have to have self-awareness what else goes into being able to move you from someone who doesn't even know all of those things are happening because to flip the script you need to know that the the first script exists correct
1: you really do yeah and for for me it took it you know uh, there's an old poet Rumi uh, and one of his Quotes is you have to keep breaking your heart until it opens. And for me, that happened in 2016 when I found this pattern in my life that I was throwing myself into relationships headlong and then would get to a point where I'm like, okay, this isn't it. And then I'd be like looking for the exit. And in 2016, finally, I was like, you know, I don't wanna do this anymore. Like why, like, I'm t- like I am in my mid forties, it's ridiculous. I do not wanna do this anymore. And it was this big wake up because I realized, oh, I'm the problem. And that's why that's what makes it hard is because we always think that the problem that we're trying to solve is something outside of us. And it's not. It's always inside of us. And when you realize that it's inside you, that's where your control is. It's not that there's an addiction or dependency on something external to me. It's what I get from that. And it satisfies part of my human needs. So I need to replace that with something else. So it totally makes sense what you're saying.
0: So how does this relate to a day in the life of David? Yeah, I'm going to just leave it there. How does this relate?
1: Yeah, so for me, uh, I wake up uh, lately. I used to get up around five o'clock every morning um, and do the same routine. So now I've adjusted recently in the last couple of weeks where I can wake up automatically, just like whenever I wake up, whenever the um, circadian rhythm kicks in. But I, uh, I start with a stretch. I say, who do I get to serve today out loud? I say to myself, who do I get to serve today? And how can my life get any better than it is? And then I step foot out of bed. From there I go, uh, I tell my Alexa to turn the lights on, hopefully she doesn't do it right now. And uh, I take a cold shower for about 30 seconds to kind of instantly get me tuned in. I do a um, breathing priming meditation exercise for about 15 minutes. And, and then if I'm going to the gym, I'll go to the gym. Um, I may do some journaling right away to get my day started, but it's really from the, from the second kind of consciousness kicks in. And I, like, I just feel like, okay, I'm, I'm active today. Then it's how do I shape that day for the best outcomes that I can realize?
0: Love it. So you're on this journey. and I'm really curious about how did you get here? Like you just started talking about 2016 with the relationships. Yep. Is that what triggered thinking about leaving corporate America? Like, can you take us through all of this shift, whether it was personal or work, or was it a combination?
1: Yeah. Do you want to start? You want to start with the childhood trauma because I know that's in there too. Or
0: it's your show.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so I grew up in the military. So my dad was a Marine, and uh, I was born in 1969, which could be ancient history for some people, but it was fascinating because for most of my life, I lived on military bases, and that is a very unique lifestyle. And then I served in the Marine Corps for uh, for 15 years. So I grew up among warriors coming out of the Vietnam War, and, and then I became one. But when we lived, and so because the, the weird dynamic of living on base is it's a very safe environment because everybody is obviously on the same team, and they're in defense of the country, and... It's, I don't know, it's like this really, it's incredibly peaceful for the job that the people on on the base have. Well, so for four years, we lived out in town, off base when I was a kid, kindergarten through third grade. And this was during the Vietnam War again, which wasn't popular necessarily in all parts of America. Um, And I didn't really know that my dad might have, like people in our neighborhood might feel certain ways about him because he was in the military. So it just so happened that I had a, a good friend of mine. My best friend is this kid named Danny. He lived up the block for me. And uh, we're the same age. We may have even gone to the same kindergarten class. But Danny used to get really angry. Like for a five-year-old, it was impressive. And he had an older brother who's, he had two older brothers. One was three years older. I think the other one was six. I had an older brother three years older. Sometimes Danny would just go nuclear, we called him a spaz, and you just kind of had to like back away. And his brothers would get involved and kind of calm him down. Well, one day we were playing in some stranger's backyard. So, I mean, again, this is the 70s, wasn't like just weird. And we're all five of us were there playing. And I guess someone who owned the house had been doing some construction on the house because there was like tools and there was like a door frame or something, and there was a hammer. Well, Danny's oldest brother David said, Hey, it's time to go to eat dinner. And Danny didn't like that. So he just went nuclear right away. And you're like, oh, no. Well, he picks up the hammer and everybody's like, run. So everybody starts running. Danny throws the hammer. hits me right in the back of the head, completely knocked out. I had uh, an out-of-body experience, which as a five-year-old, I didn't really know what it was. All I knew was I was watching his brother take me, his older brother, carry my body to their house. And then I woke up at some point later, I'm bandaged up. At my house, Danny's there with his mom, big puppy dog guys saying he's sorry. And I had another, so I had another concussion while we lived in Maryland, just a really strange time. Um, and then kind of life went on, and I was like, okay. Um, and it was, it was good, but I was also like, I grew gradually to resent moving all the time because I realized it was tearing me a friendship. Like this is well before the internet and Facebook. And so we didn't have friendships. And by the time I was a teenager, I had lived in Japan for three years with my parents, which was amazing, met my best kind of childhood friend there. And then we got separated. And by the time I came to high school in North Carolina, I kind of blamed my dad because he was the Marine and he was the one moving all the time. I, I was very creative and I was kind of like, if you ever saw the movie Pretty in Pink, I was also very romantic. So if you ever saw the movie Pretty in Pink, I was ducky. And I like, I knew it and I didn't want to be, which made it weird. So if you haven't seen that movie, I'd highly recommend it. But um, I had success writing in high school, so I had a short story that won national recognition um, in a magazine, and then I was, had some poetry that was sold. And I kind of wanted to be a writer, but I didn't have the confidence. And so not knowing kind of what else to do and growing up military bases with a really, even though we traveled the world, with a really small mindset kind of in terms of the world itself, uh, I joined the Marines, I went to college at Penn State, so big university, real big exposure to a lot of people. That was a, kind of a surprise served 15 years on active duty, was in Somalia, was off the coast of uh, Kuwait for desert storm. And I thought that's just what my life was going to be. And I threw writing to the side. And then about 10 years into my military career, I started writing poems again because I, I met someone who was a muse and inspiration for me. And I had a boss in the Marines who painted and like artwork. That didn't happen. Like that in the Marines did not happen. Like seeing someone with artistic skill just wasn't something you saw. So it was this kind of fascinating exploration for me. And I really kind of got into the writing that got me excited. But at the same time I was doing cool stuff. I got two master's degrees while I was in the Marines. And then I got to a point in uh, 2005, 2006, where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. My dad has served 31 years. And that's kind of what my mindset was. And I was like, there's got to be something else. Like I, I want to find out what's on the other side of the fence because I've never lived... Really, out in the civilian world. So I got out in 2006. Immediately fell in love with yoga. That wasn't part of my plan, but I think I'd I'd, I'd taken away from Eastern philosophy, of living in Japan, like meditation, like Shambala, you know, just Buddhism, Taoism, that kind of thing. And so I meditated, flirted with meditation when I was in high school. So yoga was fascinating to me. But I also finally now I was at a point where I wasn't moving around every two or three years, and I was working for. The, the same IT company that I'm at now. And it was fascinating to, because every day for like five or six years, I would compare what happened that day with what I knew from the military. It was just like this weird sort of reflex to be like, okay, I remember, I remember like I was, I'd been at corporate America for three months and I'd gone to uh, lunch with some of the people. I was a manager and I'd gone to like lunch with employees and we're coming back and I just gave a colorful expression to share with the person I was talking to that I had to go to the bathroom. And he looked at me with like this disgust. and He's like, keep it to yourself. I was like, oh, you guys don't talk about that. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> um, and so his learning experience was like, what are people who aren't in the military like? And that took me kind of, that took me a while. I started writing again. And um, honestly, Bobby, for 11 years, I tried to write horror novels and I would write like a hundred pages of a spurt. And then I couldn't take the story any further. I couldn't like, couldn't make it work and I get mean, so frustrated. So I go away from it for like six months to 18 months or something and I try again. And then finally in 2016, with all this kind of stuff that had happened and the patterns of just destruct- destruction, self destruction relationships, I read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I somehow like really started tuning to the law of attraction. Someone recommended Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. In the first or second chapter of that book, he says, what is the purpose of your life? I was blown away. I was like, what? My life has like a point to it. <laughs> and it was like this. So immediately, like I grabbed a pen and paper and I was like, the purpose of my life is to help people find their purpose in life. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write a self-help book about helping people find their purpose in life. And I wrote, I started right away. I was going to call it Whiskey and Yoga because I got a, someone for um, Christmas had given me a uh, Whiskey and Yoga t-shirt because I liked scotch at the time. And so uh, I started writing, I wrote about 200 pages between January and April. And then I got in 2017 and I got into 200 pages and it was it was autobiographical. And then I realized like no one is gonna give a crap at this point about me finding my purpose in life as a vehicle for them finding theirs. So I threw away about 193 of the pages. I had seven pages and I started fresh. And I said, okay, a 10 chapter outline about helping people find their purpose in life. That book uh, launched in October of 2017, number one on Amazon. And that was huge for me. Like that that was the beginning of the shift in my life because now I realize that there was a purpose to my life and it was, there was something inside me that I needed to carve and sculpt and define and then contribute that to the world. And, And that's been my journey ever since really.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing all of that. So, if I heard you correctly, the Napoleon Hill book, I think this is what you were talking about with choices or us putting out. Somebody else could have picked up that book and not resonated with the language or not took action. Like you took action to write this down and to go on this journey. And then you did the reflection and found a way to learn from that and give it a new perspective. When you said that, um, people wouldn't care about it written in this voice, but let me, let me reevaluate even that, that resonates to me very well. Again, both sides of, of the spectrum here, gambling and recovery recovery is always about reflection. And I tell there's, there's a few women that I've been mentoring lately. And I always tell them like the one lady was like, I got 90 days. I did the 12 steps and like almost like done. And I was like, I'll be open-minded about this. I was like, but I'll tell you one of the, I don't know, funnest or most interesting part of my adventures. I know that was bad grammar, but that's the fun about having your own show. You can do whatever you want. Um, Is those stages when you think you've grown and you get to a point, but then a year later you reflect back and you're like, oh, I didn't know all these things back then. And it's, it's very mind blowing, like how your lens through the military and through growing up and how that all impacted what's happening today. And congratulations on your first book being uh international bestseller. Oh, thank, you.
1: thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah.
0: That's a big deal. I'm sitting here with a little bit of envy. Well, maybe a lot of envy. I'm like, dang, I wish I was ahead of the curve because your timeline is ahead of like covid all of this stuff exploded for anybody that was online right and right. that's when they probably i don't know half the entrepreneurs discovered napoleon hill or i'm probably exaggerating but you were really ahead of the curve which i think is a beautiful thing
1: thank you i i felt like i was behind it but but it's again it's it's all matter of perspective and that's for me it one it was in a way, it was—it wasn't anticlimactic, but it was disillusioning because I had poured eleven years of trying to write horror stories. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I changed my schedule and I did these things. And I was like, I can be such a good horror writer, I know it, and it didn't happen. And then when when the idea and inspiration for whiskey and yoga came up, it was like, you know what? What is really more important? Do you want to be a horror writer or do you want to write? With a purpose and to help people and and that was a little sticky too because horror is the land of make believe you get to make stuff up or you share your life or put it together in a scary way like stephen king's one of my favorite authors and to hear him talk about how he come up with some of his ideas is fascinating but self-development or personal development now i'm like writing about myself and i'm sharing my learnings and to do that, to get that vulnerable when you weren't planning on doing that as a passion takes a big leap of faith. And then Bobby, really the biggest challenge for me was can I finish a book? Like, can I finish a book? It has been 11 years of my life from a dream that I put off for 15 years because of the military. And I remember I would write and there would be such trepidation about like, let me just let me get at least 140 pages of stuff I can use and I was remembering like even the format of whiskey and yoga was like little vignettes so I can make more pages out of it because I didn't know what the heck to say and then like my second book completely different experience but but it's that it's that growth and that journey and and honestly you know the weird part for me too was and it goes back to what you talked about with addiction like it's not about doing the nine steps and then being done with them it's about owning every aspect of your life and wanting every aspect of your life to be as noble or as full as possible and that takes you know if you want to live your dreams and pursue your dreams is going to demand every ounce of who you are and that's beautiful to me because for me coming out of the military I kind of wanted to distance myself from the military like I, I and part of it was the curiosity of what does it like what is it like to not be a veteran or not be in the military and I, I I couldn't pull myself away from that. And now I've come full circle to embrace that a lot more. So I realized that my military upbringing and then serving uh, in the Marines is was, was absolutely
0: foundational to who I am. It's part of the journey. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> you help people find their purpose. So one of the tools sounds like the books. What else do you do in that ecosystem?
1: Yeah, so I coach. Uh, I do one on one coaching. I do group coaching. I do speaking. Uh, so I do speaking engagements. And it's really, again, it's in this day and age where our phones are miraculous. I mean, you have access to virtually unlimited information at our fingertips now. And you can get answers in seconds that even just 40 years ago would take weeks to find out. Like, it's, that's no joke. Um, so For me, the really three simple steps I've talked to are purpose identity to focus. If you have a purpose and you understand that there is a a compass or a magnetic needle that is pulling you in a certain direction, then you wanna create a compelling identity for yourself that is gonna draw you towards it. And once you do that, focus on that identity and that helps you get clear on the things that are going to help you realize that identity and remove or eliminate the parts of your life that are going to be unhealthy in helping you accomplish that identity.
0: So where do you want to end up? What's your identity? Like, like, what's the finish line look like? Or what is?
1: That's a great question. Um, That's a great question. So my third book is something I've been working on since the pandemic began. Um, I was coming out of a relationship and I was excited because it was, it was a relationship I had gone into around 2016, as we talked about earlier. It was also the last relationship that kind of suffered from the self-destructive patterns that I had also talked about, but we kept on until 2019. And then 2019, uh, the relationship ended. And for me, it was cathartic because I'd finally done all the hard work that I wanted to, like I'd, I'd been honest with myself and honest with my family, like I'd been honest with the people I hurt. And it was cathartic because I realized, I'm like, okay, slate's clean. Like, let's go forward. So I had an idea for my third book, and it was really about our fascination with the internet and how we were so fixated on getting likes and being followed and, like, to what ends, you know? And, and it started to come around to this idea that who we are is more important than what we do, but what we do is always shaping who we are, always. And I wanted to understand the relationship between those two. so. Uh, I started work on the book in earnest late March, right? When the pandemic was kind of shutting down the world and I had this very transcendent kind of awakening as I started into the book. And then I saw, um, this is gonna sound funny, but I saw a picture of a woman online and I knew I'd seen the picture before. And it was this really cerebral and spiritual moment. And, um, and so I started writing a, a, a love story to this woman and, uh, that book will come out December 8th, but it is a love story that I believe will transform the planet. So that's my end state.
0: Wow. What a hook there. Holy Thank you. macaroni. That was, that's a good, uh, teaser for sure. So, ah, uh, well now I don't know if I'm allowed to, to ask you can ask questions. Any. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this relationship stuff, what I had written down that I wanted to talk to you about, especially going back to quantum focus. And we've talked a little about it from the lens of work, uh, purpose. So with relationships, uh, some of my mentors, and I've heard this in multiple places about like writing the list, um, of who your ideal mate is. Right. Yeah. So again, the same thing to kind of draw them into you. But the shift from 10 years ago when I heard it for the first time to now is not only do you write the list about what you want to attract, but you've got to get your butt in gear and be who you want to be before you can attract them. So how do you feel about all that? And have you done a list? And I don't see, that's what I don't know. I don't want to infringe on the love story in case that's part of.
1: No, no, it's a a great question. So, um, well, so, and and it ties into quantum focus, right? So right in early March of 2020, I was uh, reading Dr. Joe Dispenza, uh, Becoming Supernatural. And if you haven't, uh, for, for those of you listening or watching, if you haven't read Dispenza, he is, in my mind, probably the leading person expert on accessing the quantum field, as he calls it. And what he's done is, if, if you've heard this idea of like Nikola Tesla, that all matters, energy vibrating a certain frequency, Dispensa has taken that into a scientific approach and looked at like the resonance between the mind and the heart and how we can start to track the aura or the energy that someone's frequency is giving off. And so, in his book *Becoming Supernatural*, he has a bunch of meditations that he suggests, and then on his website you can go download these meditations. So I started downloading them, and it was really. I mean, some of them are mind-blowing, and he talks you through how he's going to take you through this guided meditation out of your body and into the quantum field, your awareness, like your awareness where you put your focus. And um, I, it just so happened that as I was doing this, I was I went out to a mastermind with Jack Canfield to write. Uh, and, and again, this is like huge passenger plane from LA, from Charlotte to LAX. There's it could hold 250 people, and there's probably 30 people on it half of us are wearing masks, it's pandemic, no traffic in LA, which if you've ever been to Los Angeles, you know that doesn't happen. Go to see Jack Canfield, talking about spender, talking about my relationships, talking about my, my next book. And one of the things that he told me was, you've got a year. Like that was part of his advice at this mastermind. I was like, I've got a year, what does that mean? Like, okay, whatever. And so, but I came back and I was like, OK, I'm going to get really focused on writing the book and I want to do some meditations. And one of the meditations he talks about, like, what what's the aura that you want to give off? And if you have something that you want to manifest, is it like if it's a relationship, what does that person like? What is that feeling? What is the person who are you in that relationship? And so I did. I wrote all that stuff down and then I did the, I did the meditation. And that's kind of when I had this huge transcendental thing. And then Three or four days later, saw this picture of this woman, and I. So I absolutely did that. And more, just like you said, though it's also about who do you want to who do you want to become? Like who do you who do you need to become in order to attract that person to you? And what I come to realize, and in fact, I just shared this with her. She's she lives in France. It's a, it's a fascinating relationship. What I realized was like I want to feel the feeling I have for her has nothing to do with like possessing her. It's about like the feeling I possess inside me for her. And that really, for me, was one of the biggest transformations of my life because it was like, I I mean, I told her today, like you are in my breath and you're in my heart and it's beautiful and it makes me giggle because it really does. Like I, she is the single most incredible woman I have ever met. And what I've come to realize is I, we grow more attracted to each other because I am not trying to woo her, but I am like creating this feeling inside that I want to share with her. And it's all because of her. So I don't know if that answers your question.
0: <laughs> wow. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Like I said, I, I guess maybe that's complimenting your hook as well because you, you just gave us more teasers. So um, that's amazing. So when is your book coming?
1: Uh, the book is going to be out December 8th. Uh, and it, so I will say this uh, it is called Love Letters to the Virgin Mary, the Resurrection of King David. So it's a little controversial. Um, it also, uh, it pulls Thor, the God of, not Chris Hemsworth, I'm saying not him, but it pulls Thor into Christianity. So if you know Roman history, um, there's a story and angle there too, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a love story.
0: Love it. So since you brought up religion and, and some of that, yep. can you, do you mind sharing, I guess I should ask. So for the audience, I don't prep any of this as far as what I'm going to dive into, but do you mind sharing your perspective on religion or God or what your views are? And then the correlation between law of attraction and this manifesting, like- yeah,
1: absolutely. So, um, yeah, it's a great question. First of all, religions are movements. Like, Christianity is a religion. Judaism is a religion. Islam is a religion. Salvation is an individual journey. That is abundantly clear to me. Like, you can go to church, or you can go to synagogue, or you can go to mosque, and you can say the prayers that everybody else is saying, but that is completely different from, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. So my understanding of the ultimate message of Christianity is you have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And what that means is you have to be willing to stake what you believe on the fact that you will live through whatever you need to go through to get to it. I mean, that's kind of the message of resurrection, right? Is I believe something deeply enough that I will go and have this everlasting life or, or heaven or whatever the case may be that is very hard to find in organized religion because every religion has a specific focus or identity and you know i was in israel uh two months ago and it was fascinating because it was passover it was orthodox easter and it was Ramadan on the same week and you can see the orthodox Jewish men praying. You could see um, the Islam's praying. There's only like Israel only about 2.5% uh, Christian. So it's really an individual journey. Well, how does that relate to the law of attraction? Well, the law of attraction, especially if you, get, if you read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, is the idea of infinite intelligence. That's, that's really this idea that there's a frequency to which you can tune yourself into that it was going to help you realize your dreams manifest your reality where the case may be and so then the question is okay what is the best tuning that i can get to and is it through a is it through a story that is conveyed through religion is it judaism is it christianity is it islam is it hinduism is it buddhism um what my approach is is like i said it's it's a very personal journey salvation whatever you whatever you consider salvation is because it's also about what what do you want like what do you believe in that you're willing to take that journey for and if you pay too much attention to the world certainly here in the US there's the recession there's the political thing there's the supreme court there's monkeypox there like there's all kinds of stuff you can get lost in but if you focus on what you want in your life instead of what you don't want your world starts to shift. And so one of the things that I'm doing with this book is, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine this week because the, the, the Thor angle is interesting, but there's some stuff that's written outside of the Bible. Like there's a poem that they found in Egypt in the second or third century called Thunder Perfect Mind. and It's a really beautiful poem. It's written by a female divinity. And she's talking about all these kind of paradoxical or con- contradictory terms, but it's really beautiful. But when you start to kind of step over religions, you start to see some, like, my contention in the story is that Judaism, Christianity and Islam are all related. It's all big one big love story. And you just have to have the willingness to step up and say, okay, the Star of David wasn't adopted by the Jewish people until like the 14th or 15th century. It's a pagan symbol that is six symbols in one. It's earth, air, fire and water. It's male and female. It's also the heart chakra. If you know Hinduism, it's the fourth chakra in the chakra system, so it's the heart chakra. Um, And then you look at Islam in the Quran, the Virgin Mary is the only woman mentioned by name in the entire Quran. And so there's like this beauty to it. So in one sense, it's like, well, I'm discovering what I believe and figuring out how to tell what I hope people will find to be a really beautiful story. But ultimately, you can't necessarily go to someone else to tell you like, how do I, how do I manifest something? Like you have to own it. And, and really biggest, the biggest thing I would say, Bobby, is it's the feeling, right? When you, that is whether, again, it's the addiction piece or the entrepreneur, you want to feel like whatever you want, you already possess it. Because when you feel it and it's not this want because when we want something, we separate ourselves from it. I want something means I don't have it. But if i'm like oh like that's my relationship with this woman has evolved significantly just within the past six weeks because i've changed my approach to like how do i feel like knowing that she's in my life the way she is now and how do i make that feeling stronger and bigger and better and that's completely transformative so i know that's a long-winded answer but it's also the Thor angle into my story is there's there's two small parts in the Bible where it says basically everyone's gods. Like everybody's a god. Jesus says it in Mark 10, I think, and then in, the Psalm, in Psalm 82 it's talked about. And so if that's true, then it starts to make sense. Well, now I can understand why there's Hinduism and why there's Roman gods and there's Greek gods because there's all these gods and mankind just forgot that we're divine beings. And now we get to relearn that in the age of infinite intelligence and information. So
0: I love that it was a long answer and I appreciate you taking the time to break it down. Religion is not one of my strong suits. Like I've never dedicated time to studying it. And it wasn't really until my journey in discovering things like law of attraction, kind of an accident. Like I stumbled upon it because I went out one night as a coping mechanism to get drunk and the bartender told me about the secret. So, you know, talk about everything happening for a reason. And I was home watching that movie that night and the door had opened. Um, So not everybody has the being in the place at the right time to have the conversations about these things. But since trying to go down that road and really have some understanding, I'm starting to have faith where I never had faith before.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and part part of my journey was, the, the 12 steps, one of them is about sought through prayer and meditation. And I'm kind of a black and white girl. Like I have to follow the rules. So 2019, that was my, that was the step I was working on. And I went to church, um, to try to understand church and, and what that was. And I didn't, I enjoyed it and, and got lessons out of it. But my takeaway was that it felt a lot like, um, a recovery meeting. Like that's how the normal, the normal people, the non addicts, that's where they get their information to feel good. Like I right. go to therapy, I go to group and that's where I get my stuff. And I always worried about the people who weren't addicts or didn't have access to all this stuff. So there's so many pieces of what you said and the curiosity that just ties into my own journey. Uh, so that's why I kind of went a little, no, i you going deep there. No, thank you for
1: sharing. And honestly, and I like to this day, I don't go to church regularly. Like I have a, bible study but it like that i do myself but it is aggressive like i mean this the the book I, the story i'm writing it's beautiful and i was just thinking today like i really need to make it romantic for this woman because i'm releasing it on her birthday which oh by the way is also the day that catholics cel- celebrate as the feast of the virgin mary never mind about that but it's but it is like it is like it is a warrior's book i mean it's intense because if you, if you give any gravity or merit to the story of Christianity being true, then you have to realize that like all the world wars, it's all like, it's all tied together. And that is a powerful, it's, it's a lot for people to take in. And that's why it's sometimes it's hard for people to believe that like one person came down and everybody's saved because of him, like, I don't buy it. But that's the beauty of looking for that story. And again, it's the, the law of attraction piece is You know, I guess if one thing I've really come to appreciate, Bobby, is people have surrendered their imagination. Like if you really like the power of imagination, that's why the quantum idea is so important because the quantum field or the idea of quantum mechanics, it doesn't matter if you believe it, if if you don't believe it, then you won't resonate as much with it in your life. But the whole idea is really what I've come to appreciate. It's the science of imagination. Like it is the science of, and once we can articulate that to people in a way that is easily consumable, we will literally transform the planet because everyone will realize, oh, I can create or manifest the life that I want. And the the whole premise behind law of attraction is you don't want to hurt anybody else to get to where you want to be. So that's like, so that's really the power.
0: I had a thought and I lost it because I'm like very present listening to you. So thank you for that as well. I do want you to have an opportunity to talk about, like, if clients wanted to work, like, are you taking on new clients? What kind of people do you attract or want to work with? How can you add value to people's lives? All of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. So um, I'll take anyone. People really have to be hungry. They have to believe that they have a calling inside them that is going to serve people. Because if you, you... we all, I mean, I would love to have, you know, seven houses across the world and have an airplane with bedrooms on it. Like, that'd be so cool. But more important to me is how do I contribute to other people's lives in a way that helps them on their journey? Because a high tide rise, raises all ships. And that's ultimately the message you want to do. So I work with hungry people. I work with executives. I work with people who are people leaders and trying to figure out how to have a greater impact. I work with entrepreneurs. I work, I speak in small groups. So it's really... I will work with anybody who has a passion for impact and contribution to the planet.
0: Love that. I remembered what I was going to say. You brought up something and I'm, I always, I have this where I feel a little guilty or maybe even ignorant, but I have to remind myself that I have intentional ignorance sometimes. But when you talked about the Supreme Court and you listed all those things that we could be paying attention to and that's what we bring into our life, I don't pay attention to those things. So sometimes I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. People have these conversations and I don't know what's going on. Um, And I just wanted to bring up that point and drive that home because some of what I've seen just this last week, like my, my niece was sending me stuff about protests and things like that. There's a lot of stuff going on. And I said to her that I, I choose to not put myself in that environment has nothing to do with my beliefs, but there's going to be hate and anger there. And I don't choose to be in the the aura of hate and anger or in that I I don't want it. Um, So because you brought that point up, is there any way you can elaborate for both audiences, like even just get on a little soapbox about why not to consume all that negativity? Because mindset's part of your... um, yeah.
1: yeah, it absolutely is. Well, first on, first of all, let's look at the media in general, right? And the media is designed to get you to continue to click or continue to watch. And that's why we've all, we've all heard, I've heard it for decades now, if it bleeds, it leads. Even in the military, we had at one point, we had uh, during one of my master's programs, we had a session with the media and it was like, where is your objectivity? And like someone tried to explain, well, we do this, 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 and then someone else was like there is no objectivity. It's all about the angle of the story and it is, it's true. And if you look at the news, if you back and forth between Fox and CNN or MSNBC or whatever, the country's in dire straits and yet everybody's still shopping at Target. Like people have two and three high, big screen televisions in their home. We have plenty of food in the grocery stores. So part of that is, it's noise. And, it's not, and I'm not saying that it's, it's, I, I don't agree with the Supreme Court's decisions on Roe v. Wade, I don't agree with some of the like the climate action stuff, but I can't control what the Supreme Court does. So I'm not going to spend an ounce of energy on that. If, if, if there is a cause that I want to contribute and get behind, then I will put as much energy and effort into that as possible. My My takeaway now is what I am doing, the story I am writing, and how I'm going to share that with the world, is going to have a much bigger impact because it's something that I have basically worked my whole life towards and and now it's culminating. And I I wanna be present for that and contribute to that. So really it's focus, again, focus on the things you want to bring into your life and you'll bring those into your life. You have to kind of cut away the noise. I'm not discounting the repercussions of what's happening. But again, unless you're going to get involved, there's no no worth in spending energy there on something you can't control.
0: Thank you. You laid an amazing foundation. I'm going to, we didn't dive as deep into this as I thought we might have, but it's okay. I like where we went. Um, But the reason I wanted to just kind of circle back to that is users use for whatever reason. And if we hang out in negative space land, and like you said, the the bad stuff, if we're thinking about it and attracting it, we bring it in and then it becomes an excuse to use. And then using is a excuse to use, right? Well, I already lost a hundred bucks. So let me lose a thousand bucks. And, um, people like you that have these opinions that are writing the books that are trying to change the world that are trying to serve are an example of, what anybody can do, whether you're an addict or an entrepreneur or whatever, you can, you can chase the positivity. You can chase the dream. You could chase the, it doesn't have to be a dream, like a make-believe dream. It can be anything is possible dream. And I just wanted to kind of drive that point home uh, before we ended today. And then we've been going a long time, which I'm, I'm glad, but is there anything that you want to cover that I didn't ask? I know we kind of went in fun ways, but I'm thrilled with all your information.
1: Bobby, it was such a great conversation. I mean, we did, we went and and like you said before we got on air, it's let's just see where it goes, right? Because that's sometimes most exciting. I certainly didn't think that I was gonna necessarily get into uh the Love Letters book, but I'm so happy that I did because it is, it has become the driving force in my life is to like write a beautiful story, not only to this woman, but to share with the world. So I love where we went. Hopefully your audience finds value in it. And I I really appreciate our time together.
0: Great. Thank you so much, (laughs) Steven.